0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toggle Town, taking small-town America from a zero to a one. I'm your host, Ryan Tomich. In this podcast, we interview individuals who have taken technology and applied it to their industry and lives for the betterment of small towns, diving deep into how and why they did it, reflecting on the importance of their accomplishments, and the next steps that can be taken to improve and inspire the next phase of innovation. This is episode 0.6 with our guest, Matt Dunbar. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks. Matt went to high school in Hamilton, Montana, eventually making his way to Montana Tech, getting a bachelor's degree in network technology and an associate's degree in web development and administration. He has been married for five years and has a two-year-old at home. He's also the president of the board for the Mining City Coral Union, and his wife is the president of the board for the Orphan Girl Children's Theater, so very involved in all the theatrics. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) But anyway, uh, without further ado, we will jump right in. Would you like to tell us a little more about what you're doing now? What's your
1: profession? Yeah, so I am a security technologist for Northwestern Energy. So um, the way I would describe that for most people is I'm kind of like a system admin with a focus on security, cybersecurity. Um, so it's it's a lot of uh, managing user accounts, managing email, <laughs> managing lots of different systems and stuff like that. So uh, I've been there since 2009 where I started as an intern and they kept me when I graduated <laughs> college in 2011. So I've been there full-time since 2011, uh, like December
0: of, of 2011. So it's been 11 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, for some of our uh, listeners or viewers who might not really know what, what it's like, you know, system administration, what that even is, or kind of cybersecurity, I think everyone kind of has a general understanding, but I guess you dive a little more into specifically, like, what is your, like, job, I guess, as far as the yeah. organization is concerned?
1: Yeah, so system admins, I mean, they, they range in all kinds of things. We have people who are, are really, truly system admins who... If you are trying to set up a new application to do something at Northwestern, you would have someone create a server and then they bring it into your environment so that people can log into it and they can use it and do all that stuff. What I do is more of the, uh, I set up user accounts for Mm -hmm. people. So if you're a new employee, I might be one of the people who would set up a user account for you and give your password to your supervisor so that you can log in. And uh, I help set up your, um, you know, we use multi-factor authentication. So you probably use that for your bank account or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a little pin code that <laughs> in to log into your account now. Yeah. We set up that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I set up your email. I help train people on um, best practices for cybersecurity. Uh, and, you know, any anything in between, like, I, I have a very... <laughs> I say I have a lot of breadth and not a lot of depth because that's how a lot of sysadmins they, they end up becoming kind of a jack-of-all-trades mm-hmm. doing a lot of this and a lot of that But but um, basically
0: if you're calling someone because you can't log in it's gonna come to somebody like me So what do you give some insight into your routine? So like what's let's say an average week or an average month for you because like you said you're kind of all over the place But what's that yeah. look like as far as like practice
1: it kind of it depends on the week <laughs> um, so Sometimes we have projects going on, like, for example, we might be upgrading some application that we use. You know, our email system might be having an upgrade soon or something like that. And so when we, when we do those big projects, oftentimes I'll be just heads down dedicated to doing that. Sometimes I'll have to jump off to the side to help somebody with another problem that's a specific thing I work on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so if we're, if we're doing a project, that's the week is, is (laughs) tied around the project. On a day-to-day basis, though, most of the time I'm probably sitting, you know, I, I get a lot of emails with people that are, are needing to get access to a system somewhere or they're having a problem trying to secure a system somewhere or whatever. So we have a, a ticketing system, an IT service management system if you're in the, in the field. Um, and ITSM basically is like, I need help. You know, our users put in a ticket and they need help doing something. So I, I tackle some of those tickets uh, I also help if we're looking at new technologies. I'm often trying to research those, plan how you would actually put it into our environment and use it and uh, and do a lot of that kind of stuff. So day to day, I feel like I'm a little helter-skelter sometimes because I'm, I'm doing this little thing and I'm doing that little thing. Um, today was, we've got a couple of people on vacation, so I got to go and do lots and lots of ticket stuff. Yeah, And of course we have a we have a system that's not working properly, so we have, I've been doing little workarounds for people all day and making things work. Um, not the normal way, but at least get them in kind of mm-hmm. thing. So um, sometimes you just have to fight fires. Um, <laughs> if they come up, you fight fires, you know. Uh,
0: that's, that's one of the things that we end up doing as sysadmins and, and cybersecurity people and stuff like that. So why don't you give us, I guess, some insight. What is the scale of both those energy? Like, it's not just like, you know, 10 people in a room, obviously. Like, so right. what, how many people like, even work for Northwestern? Or...
1: Yeah, so I think right now we're somewhere around 1,500 employees. Um, I think we do a couple billion dollars in revenue every year. So uh, we, I mean, we're, we're a, a fully integrated utility company. So we buy and sell electricity, we buy and sell gas, we um, move electricity from, from one side of the state to the other. We uh, generate electricity and sell it to our customers, <laughs> yeah. so the power in this room right now is coming from Northwestern Energy System, probably probably yes um, um, I'll let everyone know yes, it very much is yes. yes. yeah so so um you know your heater that delivers gas to your your hot water heater or your heating system in your house that comes from us. So we have um, oh gosh, I haven't looked at our customer accounts for a very long time. But if you go on our website, it has there's a page about us that tells you how many customers we have in Montana, in South Dakota, and in Nebraska, mm-hmm. which is our service territory. And to manage all of that stuff, we've we've generally hovered anywhere from like fourteen hundred to sixteen hundred employees. Lately, a lot of people, you've probably heard of the great resignation, right? Yeah. All the baby boomer generation is getting to the time when they want to retire. And so we've had quite a few people retiring. And Right now, it's been hard to hire people because the job market is very, very competitive. Mm -hmm. So uh, depending on what department in our company you're talking about, some of them are sort of at the normal headcount. Some of them are down some might be up, you know, it's just, it's hard to know, but
0: there's such a large organization. It's all over the place. It's all over the place.
1: Yeah. And, and for us, uh, like our department, we have people doing all kinds of like creating custom applications for our people and managing all the systems that help to manage the energy systems we have. Right. We have lots and lots and lots of things that we do. And so our department's actually pretty big. Um, I don't know the last count, but I know we've usually been over like 80 people working in technology. So, Technology's not going anywhere either. I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, there's a lot of
0: it around now. So, yeah. And so, why do we tell you kind of you grew up in Hamilton, eventually you went up to Montana Tech for like, your education and things? Would you kind of give us some insight into like, why you got interested in technology, how you kind of got to where you are now is the story, even like, we'll go high school, even before. Sure. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of got passionate before high school. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't go and like build a computer or something until I was in high school and sort of learned those things. But um, as a young kid, I loved, love, love, love video games. Yeah. Right. And you, I don't know if you've talked. who else you've talked to, but. Lots of people in our field that are my age or younger would play video games. Mm-hmm. And for me, I loved playing uh, PC games specifically. You know, I played Xbox we had an N64 back in the day. And we had, you know, I had a Dreamcast. I'm one <laughs> of the only people you'll probably find that ever had a Dreamcast. But um, I-, I loved PC games. You know, I played Counter Strike back in the day. I played Counter Strike Source. Uh, I loved StarCraft Brood Wars back in the day. So, playing the PC games were my favorite to play. And um, I had a friend who was kind of uh, interested in computers and stuff too. And so he kind of piqued my interest when I was a young person. And I ended up, you know, back in the dial-up days in the AOL chat rooms. So I learned to type Mm -hmm. and uh, typing in AOL chat rooms. (laughs) And um, as like a, you know, 10, 11 year old or something like that and playing my my StarCraft games with a couple of buddies and stuff. So that stuff piqued my interest. And then um, come high school, I've been playing PC games, playing PC games, and then they had a class at Hamilton that was basically, it it would teach you some of the basic things about computer networking, and how to put together the different hardware, and what the hardware was doing. And so we ended up building and tearing apart these PCs throughout the course of uh, a couple class, you know, semesters. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up getting an internship doing that, working for like a PC repair shop in Hamilton. Um, So it, it becomes one of these things where I initially had kind of gotten interested as a career because I heard about how much money computer programmers make. <laughs> yeah. um, we, had, we had someone that we knew that told us, oh yeah, my son's making $100,000 a year as a computer programmer. <laughs> said, that sounds great. I can be on the computer all day long. I love the computer. And then when I started touching computers and actually like putting them together and taking them apart and thinking about, do I want to sit in a room... And type in code all day long in another language. And try to, no, that yeah. doesn't sound like I like to dabble in things like that, but it's not what I want to do all day long. Mm-hmm. And so, high school comes around, and I did those classes, and I started, t- you know, building computers, doing all the things. And that's when I started going. I want to build my own gaming PC, and I want to go, you know, do this thing. And I started doing computer repair, and and found that I liked that stuff and doing, you know, troubleshooting problems and finding resolutions to stuff, not just sitting there and typing in code.
0: So would you say like that high school class almost, you know, like launched your way, like your specific, I want to do this kind of as a career, that high school class was really impactful to you. I I think it
1: made me do a little bit of interception where I I looked in and said, do I really want to do this thing or do I like this other stuff I'm doing better? And it's just fun. It's kind of, you get to tinker, you know, Mm -hmm. you get to tinker with hardware and stuff. So if you do computer repair that's, you're, you're tinkering. Oh, I think this is the problem. You know, let me take that out and put a new one in or order a new one and put it in or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's a troubleshooting process. You know, it's, it's sort of system. it's almost a miracle I didn't go into engineering or something. <laughs> I think about things sort of systematically, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's what troubleshooting kind of is. Let me eliminate all these problems and figure out where the actual issue is, get the root the issue, and then fix that. And that's, I like to do that stuff. And, it's not that programmers don't do that; they just do it differently. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it was—I I wanted to do more of the hands-on hardware
0: networking, you know, all the stuff that you do to make computers talk to each other and then use them. You know, yeah. so uh, you know, we obviously grew up in Hamilton, eventually moved here, mm-hmm. and now work here. Uh, all of this really is comparatively. A really, really small town, where most of like, the technology buzz is happening, you know, Seattle, Boston, you know, the Silicon Valley, all these really big metropolitan places. But you, I mean, obviously, a lot of people are doing it here. So would you like to talk about some of those challenges of maybe being in a small town compared to, you know, places where there might be more opportunities and things? Yeah, I, I would say that
1: um, one, of the, one of the things about the small town is like there's a few big players, right? There's a few places that employ almost all the technology people. So Northwestern's one of them. Um, we have town pump in town. They have kind of a, a decent sized technology department too. Montana tech has some technology people. So like there's a, there's a handful of places where you can kind of get in and get a job. And, and then otherwise it's all small shops, right? It's small businesses that have maybe 50 employees or less, and they need an it guy to come fix all the stuff and do everything for them. Mm-hmm. So if you're into that, that's, fun and you can kind of be the jack of all trades in those jobs too for a smaller shop um but if you want to go to a different position it's sometimes it's hard to get a competitive offer in a small town you just like i'm going to take a pay cut to go do this other thing you know i want to do that hard choice it's a hard choice yeah if you you know like me i've got a two-year-old like (laughs) i said my wife and i are looking at buying a bigger house because we just all of his stuff adds up and you don't have enough space for everything (laughs) anymore Mm -hmm. so um you know, if you want to, if you want to be able to take a, you know, it, it's hard for you to go and take a pay cut or, or do something like that or make a move that's going to affect your family when you're in a small town. When If you're in Silicon Valley and there's many, many <laughs> multi-billion dollar technology companies there, like you might get headhunted there <laughs> where they're going to come find you and yeah. ask you to come work for them, not, you know, <laughs> I need to go and find a new
0: job. Yeah, you know, go, like they all have big towns quit, walk down the block, get a new job on the same day, it's just there's so much opportunity, yeah. but we don't necessarily have that here. Yeah. Is... And and the other thing, I guess it's a
1: challenge, like from a from a the perspective of someone who's working for one of the corporations, right? We are in a small town. Mm-hmm. There's only so much talent in town that you can actually try to recruit. So some of the people that, that I know have moved around to different jobs and in the, you know, employers in town. And, uh, you can recruit in that same pool all the time, or you can try to bring people in, but in Montana, Montana is an appealing place to live, right? We have a lot of people who've moved here during the pandemic and Mm. stuff like that, because they want to live somewhere with less people where you have (laughs) mountains nearby and all these outdoor activities that we have. And so, um, you can sometimes recruit people and bring them in, but we just, we can't pay a Seattle wage here. Mm. You know what I mean? You can't compete with. 130 grand a year to do the same job in Seattle when here you'd get paid 60 or 70 grand. For sure. You know, you just can't make that that salary difference up. Now, granted, you're going to pay a lot more to live in Seattle. <laughs> and if you, but if you can work remotely, which we've seen a lot of people, you know, in our, our department, we've had quite a few people that have found jobs remote where they just sit at home all day mm-hmm. and they make the wages like they're in Seattle, yeah. you know, and it's hard to compete with that. For sure. It's it's tough. So that is a bad. challenge of, being in a smaller, a smaller location too, um small talent pool. But the lucky thing for us in Butte is that we actually have Montana Tech here. And the technology programs that we've got, like that's what I that's what I came here for, mm-hmm. right? I came here to do the the network technology program and the web development and administration program specifically. Like that's what I came here to do. Yeah. And it just happened that I liked it here and found a job here and everything worked out. So we do get some good talent from the college. That's an advantage of Butte that, that Butte probably has over like even some of the bigger towns like Missoula or Bozeman. We have that technical college here. Yeah, we have technical college here, so we actually do get some good candidates locally that are young people coming out of college, which is is nice. But there's it's it's a weird like it's a weird <laughs> seesaw balance. You know, you need people with experience sometimes too, and, mm-hmm. and it's
0: sometimes hard to recruit them and get them to come here. So. And then you all you kinda of touched on it a little, but what are some of those opportunities maybe being a small town? We can talk specifically beauty and mm-hmm. just in general. So what like what, I guess why why do you stay? Why what's your like appeal here um to be Because like, I mean you probably yeah. could go get a job somewhere else if you wanted to, like bigger city, yeah. but you stay here for a reason. So what is that? Yeah,
1: I like well I like Montana because I well, it's funny. If I just go drive through Missoula, I get so infuriated by the traffic. <laughs> and it's only... They're only like a 70,000, 80,000 person city, right? Like, here we have about 35,000 people. And I'm like, there's no traffic. I get a stoplight. Like, it turns green. I get through it. I'm for like, the second stoplight. So I kind of like the... I like that we are a smaller population than a lot of states. I mean, we're the fourth largest state with one of the smallest populations. So you're not crammed in with everybody in the city, yeah. which is nice and it's appealing. And that means we have outdoor activities. You know, I like to ski. I've got a dirt bike in my garage that if I can ever get it running, I will go ride again. Um, and, and you know, if you want to do those kinds of activities here, you can. It's, it's nice. It's a nice place to go and, and hike. And I actually had a friend from Colorado in college who skis. And he said, yeah, I'm not going back there because the skiing here is better. I don't have to wait an hour-long lift line <laughs> okay. to go up one time, you know? Um, so there's there's a lot of appeal to people who like outdoor lifestyles, to being in Montana. And where we're at in Butte, we are right where I-90 and I-15 intersect. So you can go north or south. You can go east or west. I mean, <laughs> we have probably right. five or six good ski hills within an hour drive, you know? Absolutely. Hour and a half, maybe. <laughs> so it's, there's appeal for that stuff. and. And for me, I, you know, I don't have the interest in going back to the ridiculous traffic and things like that in bigger cities.
0: Just my preference, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, that's how we survive. And people love that idea of the small town, small community, tightly knit community for sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll kind of jump back to more of your career, maybe your mm-hmm. um, position. What is maybe like how you, what you do there affect us as a small town, right? Because like obviously the... Yeah. Well, you know, cyberspace distance doesn't matter. The same yeah. risks that exist for us exist for other places too. So, kind of, what is the, I guess, you know, two-factor identification, doing stuff like that? How does that affect our community, um, like specifically or affect the people in Northwest
1: Energy? Well, one of the, so, so I guess the first thing that comes to mind as far as community goes is that being here, you're in the community, right? Mm-hmm. So, just doing, just having having the opportunity to talk to you, right? That wouldn't happen if I wasn't here. You wouldn't know about me. It wouldn't have anything. Small towns, you get connections to people and stuff like that, right? And and I, one of the things that I talk about when I'm doing training for cybersecurity is I try to instill a healthy amount of paranoia. Healthy paranoia, <laughs> right? Should <laughs> I click that link in this email? Maybe I should. Maybe I should think about it for a second. Like, am I expecting an email, email from Ryan today with an attachment? This looks weird. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'll call you. You know, just getting um, getting those kinds of ideas. Um, to people to, to think about stuff like that is helpful. And so for me, being involved with the people in the community, I can kind of try to let osmosis happen where I just like share my knowledge here and there mm. and hope that it, it takes on. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because like what I do on a day-to-day basis, like you say, it you could be here, you could be a hundred miles away, you could be a thousand miles away. And what I'm doing is is affecting the things you do. Right, how secure the systems are for your Northwestern Energy account. Yeah. Right. Your customer account. You're a customer of Northwestern Energy. You don't want your account to be breached because maybe you use the same password for Facebook as you do for your energy yeah, account that's... and your bank. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. It's bad. But but yeah, I mean, um, just trying to just trying to share knowledge and stuff is useful being in a community. But I feel like the other thing that that is advantageous for, you know, Butte at least is having some big employers like Northwestern, we make decent money there and we spend it in town too. So businesses and stuff that are local benefit from having having you know technology people here. And yeah. economically um, speaking, it does great yeah. for the community. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to have and, and we have a couple like we have a, a huge bunch of fiber and stuff for the internet traffic that goes across our country goes through Butte. Yeah. And so we Just actually like the highways, have highways, yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of highways and we got a lot of fiber running yeah. by it. And so for, for Butte, like, it's good for us because we have a few companies, you know, Zayo Networks. They they have a bunch of fiber in town and stuff like that. And they employ people who make money and spend it in Butte, too. So yeah. even if you're just talking about the economic impact of community <laughs> stuff, it's it's nice to be, you know, able to to actually donate money to the charity organizations that we work with, you know, mm-hmm. and, and participate in those things and, and have those opportunities. But that was probably a weird random <laughs> answer. But... Uh yeah, community, community is kind of what you make it. So it's it's like a, you know, it's a hard, that's kind of, a, it's a tricky question, but there's a lot of different touch points in our community mm-hmm. that you can be a part of if you choose to.
0: For sure. And you answered perfectly. That's exactly what I <laughs> okay. was looking for. Yeah. And, right. um, I guess this is even, because I think a lot of people maybe in the community don't necessarily understand the risks associated you know clicking that link you doing mm-hmm. things um because i mean you guys are critical for infrastructure you know middle of winter and gas goes out that's an issue for our town so we even talk about some of those risks of you know why you need to think about it before you like click that link why is that important for people to think about
1: yeah so i can give you a couple examples okay all right so um everyone goes oh well i fell for you know i fell for a fishing thing but it's not a big deal whatever they're not gonna i don't, I don't have access to anything right what people don't think about is that um your account, no matter what access it has, can be used as a little pivot point, right? Like I need to pass you the ball before I can get the ball to that guy. So ultimately I want, I want to get the ball over there. You know, I want to breach that system over there. So if I can get right here first and then pass the ball that way and breach that system, then I can jump over to this one. And so phishing is one of the big things that comes up in almost every breach that you read about on the internet, right? One example, Oregon State, mm-hmm. They're, um I can't remember which which department it was, but one of their departments that has to do with like licensing or, or taxes or something, I can't remember what it was, was breached. And eleven of their employees clicked on phishing links. <laughs> eleven, and <laughs> yeah. you're like, well, that's that's not you know, it's eleven people. The organization, eleven people doesn't matter. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Right. they ended up stealing a few hundred thousand social security numbers and and uh, home addresses of people that lived in Oregon. So now you have 300,000 people who have to have identity theft protection on on their, you know, they have to freeze their credit, they have to get identity theft protection in case something shows up with their social security number to apply for credit or Mm -hmm. to get a loan or to, you know, whatever. There's there's all kinds of different ramifications, and that came because 11 people clicked on a link in an email. So it's not like it doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, In what year was... It's been a while now, I think it was back in maybe like 2010 or 2009, there was a um, an incident in Iran, there's another one, yeah. where someone had a USB drive that they plugged into an Iranian power plant, and it actually had a piece of malware that we think maybe was from Israel and the United States that caused their power systems to like spin up a big turbine in a nuclear plant and destroy itself. I remember, yeah, I remember yeah. reading about that. Yeah. Stuxnet attack. So the Stuxnet malware did that. And and that's the thing is, like, people don't, you know, again, healthy paranoia. You don't think about it. Like, should I plug this USB drive that I got from, you know, the parking lot into my computer? No, <laughs> no. Bring it to the security guy, and he'll see what's on there. And if it's Jim Bob's pictures from his Vegas vacation, then we'll give him back to Jim Bob, right? But if it's something bad, like Stuxnet, you don't want that thing plugged in, right? So healthy paranoia is good. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting trying to just show that like the most attacked thing in almost any organization now are people yeah right we secure all of our computer systems to make them super hard to breach you know as best we can we make Mm -hmm. it as hard to breach those things as we can but if you can trick one person into clicking that link on the email so you can jump over to there and then jump over to there and then suddenly i have control of your power system that's scary right and that's 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 why there's people like me trying to prevent that stuff and trying to educate people and do all the all the pieces and parts. The back end of things. Yeah. yeah, all the things.
0: <laughs> so the next kind of area I'd like to move into is, you know, throughout your career, throughout all these things, you get to you know, learn about all these technologies, listen to all these people, you're going to be in the back end of all these the big organizations. Um, what's that, like, wow moment where you kind of step back and you're like, I had no idea technology could do that. I had no idea that was even happening. Like What was this, this moment where you probably, like, like, almost a pivot in your understanding or, like, Thoughts about technology?
1: You know, I'll probably give you the same answer that a lot of people will give you, but <clears throat> um, the the biggest impact to technology in the last 10 years, probably, is the cloud, right? And it, it, this is probably silly, but, like, back, I can think of two instances when I was like, whoa, the cloud's cool. Um, and it does way more than this, but this is just a simple example, right? When I first saw webmail, like, gmail i'm not i don't have just like my aol account that i log into on my dial-up anymore like i log into my aol and i get my email there when i just opened up a browser and went to gmail.com i got a gmail account when it was in beta you know like it didn't they didn't have a fully blown mail system yet it was brand new you had to be invite only like i had a friend who got one and he sent me an invite and it was like whoa! i can get to all my Oh, my email right here and just go just launch the browser, go to gmail.com, get all of it. That's so cool. And then you see all these things over the years where they add spam filtering, they add this, and they, they add these little things that tell you this looks like a phishing email when it comes in and stuff like that. And it's just like these little, little incremental changes that they make with cloud services like that are crazy. Um and then I saw Google Docs, okay? <laughs> and If you've ever worked on a joint project in school mm-hmm. or something, they didn't have, like, Google Docs wasn't a thing, really, when I was in high school. It was just kind of coming about. But, like, some of, the, some of the kids at the Orphan Girl Children's Theater, they wrote their own play, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were writing a whole series called Serial, and they asked me to play a part in that play. And so I ended up going in while they were writing one time. They, they shared a Google Doc with me, and we, you know, I'd seen it before this But, like, when you get into a Google Doc and you can see, oh, so, you know, Ryan's right here looking at this part of it. And he's, oh, he's typing something new right here. And, oh, here's, you know, Christina. She's doing this thing Mm -hmm. over there. Like, being able to have multiple people editing a document simultaneously and see what they're doing was just like, (laughs) dude, that's awesome. You know? And so... Those little, it seems like a dumb thing And because the cloud does so much more than that, right? Cloud storage is huge. <laughs> you can run your entire business in the cloud. You don't have to have any servers anymore if you don't want to. You can run them all in the cloud and there's different things you can, th- that has trade-offs, I guess yeah. I'll say. There's trade-offs of doing it that way, but the technology has come so far in the last 10 or 15 years that it's just like, you know, Dropbox exploded and now everyone has cloud storage. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is is like, it changes the way we do everything. Your phone didn't used to have all your stuff on it where you could just put in a contact and then, oh, my, I dropped my phone in the toilet. It's dead now. I don't have my contacts. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. It synced it up to the iCloud or Google Cloud or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just get a new phone and boom, there's all your people. <laughs> it's fine. That stuff didn't exist back in the day. We didn't have cell phones that did that when I was in high school, you know? So that, that 10, 15 years has changed everything.
0: And we'll see what it does in the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, no, those are... Even though, like you said, not the full potential of the cloud, but those are things that everybody uses every day. That's, like, almost more impactful in a way when you think of, you know, you can change the way that basically every person does anything with technology. Yeah, like, you used to have to write your
1: Word document, save it, send it to all your teammates or whatever, and then they'd look it over and make the, oh, no, Johnny added a paragraph here that we didn't have in Matt's version. Shoot, now we got, you know that stuff was painful. Mm-hmm. So just the ease of being able to go into a Google Doc and, and at the same time make those changes is, it, it's cool. Like, I just think it's cool. You know, that kind of
0: stuff is neat. Yeah, for it's sure. <laughs> and so, you know, you've obviously got a long way in your career. You started your spine. okay, you kind of getting curious. The classes has gone all the way up to here. Now you obviously have a plethora of knowledge. And then, well, thank you, of course, for giving it to us. <laughs> and, um, but you, if you had to give someone advice, maybe, who's, and, you know, even just starting your careers in high school, before mm-hmm. high school, um, some advice that you might give just to, like, maybe follow in your footsteps, you know, also go into technology, go into these careers, mm-hmm. and even just, because you know, obviously, you know, we don't know what the world will look like in, you know, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. It could be totally different. But even just from, you know, the basic standpoint, what's some advice you might give?
1: For me, I guess, like, like I said, when I was younger, someone told me about how much money the computer programmers were making, and that piqued my interest, but then I found out I didn't, Really think I wanted to do that? Like, find what you actually like, right? If you're sitting in a room all day doing something you don't want to do, you're not going to be happy. So it doesn't matter if they pay you another thirty thousand dollars a year to do that thing. Like, are you? Is it really worth it? So for for anyone who's a you know interested in the technology field, explore a little bit. Like, figure out what you like. Play with stuff. If you like. Putting together computers and you just want to do computer repair forever? That's fine. You don't have to go and go to college and do a sysadmin thing and do what I did. Like, you can you can do all that stuff without a college degree if you want to. Find what you like. You don't have to go and, and you know, do it something else. You know, do something else that somebody wants you to do or do something that sounds appealing and then you find out you don't like it. You know, don't be afraid to change it because you can pivot and do different things in technology. Um, it,
0: that That's... Probably the best advice I can give. Find what you like. For Find sure. what you enjoy. And of course, as kind of a conclusion, you know, classic Toggle Town fashion, what is your favorite kind of ice cream? Ooh. So I, my sister always gives me a hard time for
1: this too, because um, she says it's disgusting, but I've always liked licorice ice cream. Black licorice ice cream. It's, <laughs> it's. I've had it since a kid, it turns your mouth like a weird blue color.
0: <laughs> but it's delicious. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And it's almost, uh, of all the people, you know, we're at number six of, you know, trying to find the ice cream that they, they suggest. I have to say, this was indeed a challenge. There was, there was nobody in any store, and it's about four or five, who sells licorice ice cream. But luckily, a few days ago, my grandma came back. Um, she was out at the park, or went golfing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Carousel is selling licorice ice cream, and they packaged them up for us, so we'll give a little thanks to them for yeah. being able to find it. But anyway... Um, Thank you for coming out to the show, I appreciate your time, and of course, thank you to all of our listeners for listening in, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you for watching. Take a moment to like, comment your thoughts, and subscribe to Toggle Down so you don't miss the next interview. We post every Wednesday. See you next time.